0: Working with John Legend was a really seminal moment in my career because as I started this blurb, (laughs) my answer to your question about what's your career story with listening and being present and listening to signs, I remember we went out for steak and I was so not present because I was like, oh my God, this is John Legend. And then there was just a moment where I wasn't being true to myself or him as a human because I wasn't listening. I was so out of myself thinking this experience is so unique and odd and amazing and exciting and I'm living the New York life and all those things.
1: When it comes to your career, there really is no one formula for success. And if someone had asked me 20 years ago what career I would be working in today, I doubt I would have said employer branding, a career that didn't even exist at the time. Some of the best stories I've ever heard didn't follow a plan. They simply embraced the journey. And that's why I've created this podcast to share the many career stories that have shaped the people behind them, and to encourage future generations to trust more in the process instead of stressing over getting it right the first time. I'm Steve, and welcome to the My Career Story podcast. Hello and welcome back to the My Career Story podcast with me, your host, Steve Keith. Now, I am always excited when I get to either interview a guest that is a friend or when I get to align the work that a guest is doing with something that's going on in the outside world that's important to me and to others and the world right now, to be honest. And I get both in this week's episode with my guest, Paul Russell, the founder of Standing Ovation Choir. Now, Paul delivers creative, engaging, mindful and well-being focused sessions that range from a company choir to breathing workshops to finding your voice in the workplace professional development units. He's led programmes for various companies in London, Scotland, New York, LA, Miami and Dubai. Companies on his roster include Google, MC and Saatchi, ASOS, AIG, Lloyds, Lloyds Registry, Aviva, Marsh. THB Group, Reed Recruitment, Biomarin Pharmaceuticals, Marsh and Three-Sided Cube. As a wellness coach, musical director and composer, he's worked with EGOT, John Legend, Liv Tyler and Pixie Lott. Now, for those of you not familiar with the term EGOT, I've had to look this up. It's the achievement of having won all four of the major American entertainment awards. So an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar and a Tony. Now, in 2018, Paul made his Broadway debut as a composer and musical director on a new musical. I'm thrilled to have Paul with me today.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening <laughs> to <the laughs> listeners whenever you're listening.
1: <laughs> Sadly, it's great to have you on the show. I'm very excited about um, sharing your career story with the British So let's just launch straight into it. And, Paul, what is your career story?
0: what is my career story steve um well firstly thank you for having me i was thinking about this and i really think um the phrase carpe diem really encapsulates um, my career um uh, seizing the day listening to signs and the universe's stage directions Being present, being ambitious, um, listening to colleagues and peers and family and mentors, and not being afraid to take risks. That's something I've never, ever been afraid of. And I think that blessing came from um, my beginning. Uh, my father. Mm. Um, I'm a baker's boy. I'm not sure if you knew that. I didn't um, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my uh, father was actually a master baker.
1: There's a joke Take there, that. but I'm not going to go down. There. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can you imagine, like, um, like three teenage sons, like. And, and, Like, he he used to go to, like, Master Baker Balls. I was like, this is too much. Please stop. Like, (laughs) like, my goodness. Um, uh, And yes, and dad um, did so well. And we were very blessed in our childhood. Um, And then supermarkets came in. And who buys their bread from bakers? Um, which is really sad, um, but also with my dad's pride as well um, and passion about this baby that he created um, that blew up. I mean, there was 13 shops by the end um, and 150 employees, I think, um, it was amazing. And I'm very proud of him. But then all of a sudden like that, we just lost everything. Mm. And it really taught me, number one, the value of money, the value of time, Um, (laughs) pride is a good thing, but pride definitely can be a fall. And to Mm -hmm. listen, to listen to people. So um, I, um, at 18, moved to London and I trained at a conservatoire for music and drama. And it was a brilliant time because it was one of those very, typical stories, I should say, of like how, you know, you hear, they, they bring in like excellent students. And my, my year was, everyone was super, super talented. Um, but then they have to break you to make you, like that very fame type of um, mm-hmm. story that you see in the films. And that's what they did. Um, but with it, just, I always had this belief in me and what I would do and what I would achieve. And I was thinking about this last night, that I think um, that kind of made me. So I remember like in my last year, in your third year, your graduating year, every show you do, um, you do in the West End, and um, casting directors, agents, that always bought. And by this point, for whatever reason, I wasn't the flavor of the year. So uh, I remember being cast in this amazing production. I love Oscar Wilde. Um, One of my favorite Mm -hmm. quotes is only boring people speak at breakfast, (laughs) um, you know, and uh, it's just be like, I'm paraphrasing this one, but um, be yourself. Everyone else is taken, Um, which I think is a great motto for business as well as um, personal and professional life. Family will love that. And um, I remember being cast in this piece and being so excited and thinking, well, of course I'm perfect for this lead role. Of course I'm going to get it. And then I was literally cast as this Viscount who has three lines in Act One, Scene One. So I was like, okay, what are we going to do here? And then I, reading the script, I was like, there was a manservant called Phipps. Phipps was his name, the character. And literally he has like 11 lines. They're all like, yes, my Lord. No, my lord. It's it's a butler, a manservant, and they hadn't cast it. So I remember the first day of rehearsal, going, "Oh my goodness, this is going to be with agents and casting directors, and you've given me literally no moment to shine." But you, those three lines of this French viscount, you, we're going to get everything there. And I went straight to director the first day um, and said, "Listen, it is what it is, but this mm-hmm. cast, this this hasn't been on the cast list, Fips. I need to play this." And she was like, oh God, I haven't even thought about that. Perfect. You're this person. And I remember looking at these two tiny parts, which were so different. The Viscount I was, I played as like, so like, so flamboyant and, you know, it was very like, he's uh, he's just like such a- I'm
1: visualizing it on the screen right now. I'm
0: yes, like. <laughs> yes, it was a lot, it was a lot. Um, but then I was like, well, I can show the absolute juxtaposition with this other character. Long story short, I'm rambling, but, I, the whole cast, someone who had probably the least amount of stage time was the only person who got any interest from casting directors and agents. And I remember at that moment in time, being 20, just about to turn 21, going into this very competitive industry that I knew um, I was talented. I knew I was outstanding. That's not being egotistical. Like you just got, you've got to have that faith otherwise. You know, um, sadly, it's a very tough industry, the arts. Mm. And in that moment, I was like, "Ah, this is how you play the game. You have to create your own rules. And if someone gives you something, those lemons—I know it's such a cliche—someone gives you lemons, you make the best damn lemonade ever, and yeah. everyone's queuing up for it." So I remember um, that. Then is how I then spent the next seven years of my career. I did. Western shows, musical plays, toured the world, um, sung for the Queen at Balmoral Castle, which was so an amazing, amazing experience, Um, and did things, all the things I wanted to do as a child. And during this time, it got to a point, though, where um, I felt like I was so blessed to be getting work and as an actor, like, I was very thankful for that. As a musician, I was very thankful for that. However, it wasn't enough uh, because it, I was kept on booking these jobs. And more often than not, there'd be I'd be understudy, uh, like, ensemble, understudy the lead. So let's say you were the lead and you went on your two weeks holiday. I would have my moment to shine for two weeks. Then I'd go back to, like, third row of the chorus, ooing and aahing, yeah. <laughs> pushing set on, pushing set off, like, it's thoroughly... <laughs> unglamorous but I loved it. But after all these years, it was like I just it was like I was getting presents all the time by booking these gigs. But the present was the same. All that changed was the wrapping. So the show changed, mm. the wrapping paper changed, but it's the same mm. gift. And you know, for an ambitious person who wants to grow and challenge themselves, I mean for me, I'm that just wasn't going to work. So my cousin, Sophia, um, is, we are the only two artists and creative, everyone's kind of creative in my family, um, but we're the only two artists. Um, right. She's a, yeah, she's a concert pianist. She's absolutely astounding. She told me at that point, the government was doing, uh, had introduced PGCE, Flexi and they wanted to mm. get professional musicians who paid their bills through gigs and concerts and tours, blah, 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 to come into the classroom versus um, teachers that had studied books at universities and, Mm -hmm. you know, this type of thing. So it was a great experience. I was doing shows in the evenings. Um, as well as then doing lectures and placements. I remember at one point, like, being in Rocky Horror and my outfit, you can only imagine what you're in Rocky, like, you know, course <laughs> you're either naked pretty much or you're in a corset and fishnets, and it was so fun. But then going to this terrible placement um, during the day in Camberwell at this school that literally had met, peace, met police on the doors for, oh my God, beginning break lunch. It was... And I just remember at so many points thinking if only like this had been video blogs had happened at this point.
1: (laughs) Like. What a contrast.
0: Completely. I remember my first day in placement, a kid literally threw a chair across the classroom. I was like, right. How are we going to deal with this? Mr. Russell, this is (laughs) communication. And then cycling to do a show for um, two and a half, three hours. Um, and so it I took me three and a half years to get my PGC. And then, as I just said, that, that kind of like that metaphor of, like, I was getting the present, but it was just different wrapping paper. Um, and I do really want to say I was so thankful that I was even offered presents. If there's any artists or creatives or self-employed out there who are listening, ourselves included, when you get a contract, it's a blessing. Um, yeah, and I was thankful, but... Totally. It just wasn't enough for me. Mm -hmm. So I moved into teaching uh, full-time and that was brilliant. Um, I really enjoyed that. And that took me to New York as well, um, where I was director of music at a couple of schools. And then just through seizing the day, listening, networking, I was given amazing opportunities um, excuse me, working with John Legend, um, working with celebrities. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was amazing. It was this young man from, well, young boy, I was in my late 20s. You think you're a man, but you're not. Um, I'm hoping as someone who turns 40 this year that I will be a man at some point. <laughs> <laughs> or an adult, I should say, an adult. Um, although I think adulting is overrated.
1: I would completely go with that. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even look close to 40, so.
0: Oh, I will take that. Thank you, Kaiser. <laughs> um, and um, just all these opportunities, this young person in their late 20s, moving to New York, working and having lunches and like the, the John, working with John Legend was a really seminal moment in my career because as I started this, blurb (laughs) my answer to your question about what's your career story with listening and being present and listening to signs I remember we went out for steak and I was so not present because I was like oh my god this is John Legend and then there was just a moment where I wasn't being true to myself or him as a human because I wasn't listening I was so out of myself thinking this experience is so unique and odd and amazing and exciting and I'm living the New York life and all those things. And then just stop myself. And he was just talking normal things like we're just like having a conversation now. And it was a real moment of you need to be, you need to stop, Paul, you need to be present. You've been hired for this reason. Um, Lose, we now have that imposter syndrome term, which definitely it was at that point, you know? Lose that, shake that, be present. And I'm so glad I was, and it was an amazing experience with him. Um, And that led on to lots more coaching. Um, I left teaching then, and I segued back into creating and coaching, doing my own projects. And I had a client in New York who was quite high up at Google, Mm -hmm. and... Um, he actually came to me ultimately, um, was a referral from one of my Broadway clients, um, came to me for speech and confidence, uh, every time he would have to, so it was nothing to do with singing, nothing to do with music, really. It was more like presentation skills and okay. breathing. Uh, yeah, he would lead, like he would literally have to take a beta blocker before he would lead a presentation at work, which, you know, wow. Yeah, and, and it happens, but he was like, I think that I can find holistic ways and techniques to improve this. So I worked with him, We're still in contact, a wonderful man, um, and he got another promotion at Google and all of a sudden inherited this um, less than enthusiastic team to have a new leader. Um, and he, by this point, I would decided the five years in New York were such a blessing, such a wonderful chapter of my life, but it was time to come home. I'd always, always hmm. known that I'm so family-centric, as I know you are as well. Exactly, um, yeah. And it's so important. Um, and I felt as soon as my life back home was moving on and away from me, that that would be the time. And by this point, my younger brother had had my nephew, Baxter, who I just... You need to stop me because I can wax lyrical about this gorgeous little nugget of a human being. He's a blessing. <laughs> I love him so much. Um, and by this point, I was like, okay, this is the time. This is the time. And before that happened, uh, my client just said, okay, you know this team is very challenging. Um, I'm thinking of bringing you in to sing with them. Just as like to, uh, you know, um, uh, icebreaker, I suppose. Um, and my first reaction was kind of I like, why would I come into Google and and sing? You know, I really had no idea of um, the corporate well-being and wellness um, industry. I had no idea of it, and so I was like, "Well, give me a couple of days." Um, and then he followed, um, called me, followed up with the proposal. We were talking about it and talking how it would work. I was still on the fence, going, "This is not really my lane." And I was very happy with working with people I was blessed to work with, um, creatives and making them even create to a greater standard. And then he told me what the rate would be for the hour, and I was like, I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm $500. I'm there, sir. For one hour's work? Perfect. Book me in. Book me in. And uh, it was as simple as that. But then I must say, it was the most, uh, again, seminal moment of listening. Mm. It's hate having this thing come into my world and running with it and Steve I've got to say I just remember it being so amazing seeing these people now there's not uniform per se at Google um but like seeing some of the ladies were like kicking off their heels like guys they been wearing on polo shirts releasing a couple of buttons and you could see in this hour community was formed um anxiety was dropped And it was a really rewarding session and feedback was great. And then they hooked me up with a gig as soon as I moved back to London. A week later, I went into Google um, in London, did a similar gig. And that was the beginning of Standing Ovation Choir, the company that I have. And it really has just rolled very naturally from there and offering company choirs, corporate choirs, breathing sessions, um, using your voice correctly, transferable skills. And I've just been blessed to work with amazing companies, with uh, wonderful people, and I really feel and see the benefit of what I deliver and how it can be used in the workplace. Um, and especially so much of my work is in alignment with uh, mental health, mental health and mental awareness, something I'm hugely passionate about. Um, as we know, World Mental Health Day in October is upon us. And especially this year, it's, I think it really needs to be in the zeitgeist. It needs to be a word that's not bandied around for a tick box. Um, within companies, because this year has been such an anomaly. It's been so challenging that I feel the wellness industry really, we need to step up. We need to listen. We need to change. We need to adapt, but we definitely need to be present right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's in all things. If you deliver yoga, if you deliver um, a, a running club, if you're singing at work, if you're breathing at work, I think these sh- should, in my humble opinion, be a key focus. And I think we all had a knee-jerk reaction when lockdown first happened. Um, and all of a sudden, like, my um, calendar from being so full was all cancelled, postponed, mm. and um, but there was a few companies who were smart enough to see the benefit of wine artifacts. This is really important right now. And so lockdown was another stage of Carpe DM. Seize the day, listen. Um, don't get sad, don't get mad that um, gigs and things have been planned for months and months and months. You know how long these things are planned in advance. Or all of us all of a sudden, sudden cancelled and loyal clients, uh, you're dropped like that. Well, what are you going to do? I'm not going to put my energy into that. I'm going to put my energy into creating and reinventing and uh, approaching things in a different way. And as a result, lockdown was actually very busy for me. It was very creative. Um, I, um, musically directed and composed a zoom the It was supposed to be a musical. Um, a documentary we were going to film five days in Chicago, five days in LA. Then all of a sudden this happened and, you know, sadly Mm. the States are going through it really bad. Not that we're doing great over here, but so the flying was definitely not happening. And it was just a wonderful time of reflection. And to conclude, and thank you for being patient for allowing me to talk. And thank you listeners for- No,
1: I'm loving listening. Carry on. You can listen to you all day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. I was like, oh my goodness, I've been waffling on forever. Um, But, you know, I really, I've always had um, mantras in my life, before I even called them mantras. Um, Mm. And two that came to me so clear the last six months have been, number one, simplicity. I realized that I was just running the whole time, sometimes sprinting, and I am an ambitious person, I am energetic. I love to create, I love, uh, I love a schedule that is so different. I'm doing a corporate gig here and then I may be leading um, a kid's choir in the afternoon and then I'll be, you know, working on composing in a studio for a project in the evening. I love that. But now that's just not how I wish to live my life, you know? I just, simplicity is key and my second point to conclude is how can I best be of service? That's something I've really sat with and thought about. How can I best be of service? And I really think that's something that we should all, all of us, whether you are prime minister, president, key worker, um, optician, cleaner, musician, unemployed, Overemployed, whatever it will be, I think that question of how can you best be of service is the route I'm taking now for my career. Um, and yes, that's where my career is at. It's taken a many different routes, but definitely the goal to always create and to always um, bring community. Um, and speak about things that aren't always comfortable. A lot of people don't want to speak about mental health. Um, a lot of people um, still think that wellbeing and wellness is very um, hippie and you know, just something we've got to say we do. And I'm always so happy to have that conversation of, as to why it's actually crucial. Um, mm. why do we have employee engagement? Well, I kind of almost think we should take out the word employee. It's human engagement. We're humans. Like, why would you not invest in your human? Also, I think it's so um, silly of companies not to invest in that. Like, just think of it as a business model. Happy people, like, happy person, happy home. Happy employee, happy work, more productivity. Like, it really, that I, I really do struggle when, um that is thrown as a well we can't meet this or something like that so yes that's my new thing how can i best be of service
1: and that's I and mean, that's great and it's really important i think that it shows also as well kind of the the hand, hand crossover between the work that we both do as well because i'm constantly talking to people about how actually do you know what like unless you're able to tell the stories of how people are enjoying themselves in the workplace and feel like they're adding value that they are um in service for some reason then people aren't going to be interested in joining if you if you create a different version of a a campaign for something saying it's wonderful to work here and somebody walks in the door and it's an absolute nightmare what was the point what you what are you trying to create and I love that piece there that you mentioned around community as well because the work the workplace is a community but it's particularly in corporate environments and I'd be interested to hear your take on this I feel like from my experience that they're such incredibly competitive environments that they don't really necessarily provide the space for community
0: yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. Um, however, there are some companies that really get it right. And mm. that's why those companies continue to fly and continue to soar. Um, and that's why their retention rate is impressive. Um, that's why, you know, their benefits are impressive. People are drawn to these companies. But I definitely... Do agree with that um, even if you think of um, the physical logistical layout of an office it's so isolated you know there's a partition between us but um, even before we needed partitions with this pandemic <laughs> you were do you, know what I mean? you were stuck in your little bubble yeah, and, yeah. Um, then almost this something i have noticed um, with my company and going into various wonderful, um, institutions is with some of them, this theme of like, um, there's almost like a badge of honor. If you've worked the longest hours, if you've got the most, who's got the most back-to-back meetings. And, um, I think that's insane. Absolutely Mm. insane. Oh, I pulled a 12 hour day and I almost like a subliminal cheer of like oh well I pulled a 13 I'm in my head I'm like I feel so sorry for you (laughs) like and this company needs to change that and by putting you in a little cubicle with boxes around you where community is effectively being physically separated isn't helping but as I did mention there's lots of companies there's lots of companies I work with and I'm really passionate and very thankful for um Mm -hmm. ASOS springs to mind ASOS um I thoroughly enjoy collaborating with. Um, they are so successful. They have grown an, an incredibly. Their business model is insanely impressive. And they are still here, even with these current times. They are still doing well. They are still investing in people. They um, promote work-life balance. I think these things are really important and you know um thinking about like the mental health with community as well i think just going for a walk at lunch with a colleague or maybe just make it insular. like maybe i just need to get out of this building for 15 minutes maybe it's to grab a coffee and a sandwich or maybe it's just to walk Mm. and just breathe and be Um, I think things like that really should be encouraged versus this kind of archaic, prehistoric, you're slit, like you're chained to your desk. And, you know, the more, oh, the more hours you do, the more of a hermit you are to your work versus your life, the more promotions you get. I just think that's hopefully, I'm hopeful that that will change because that's surely got to change. It's, got to
1: change right now yeah it has and i think listening to you talking about it, it's interesting so i've got a, a poll live on linkedin at the moment where i've asked people so i saw an advert for um one of the co-working spaces down in london that was saying it was re-promoting itself um, obviously it's a difficult time right now with people not wanting to go into spaces or worrying about things um but they're trying to promote that I've seen a lot of the big some big companies say for example I think it was Lloyd's I was reading the other day I've started to look actually at their local branches and old branches that are closed in smaller towns and cities and things and start going well could we actually create co-working spaces in there for people to go into if they want to get out and go into work for the day or models where um you have days where the team comes together in the future and it's a digital detox day so nobody's allowed to bring their laptop or look at emails and it's about team building it's about strategy it's about focusing on well-being it's about having a social and actually being like if we are and the thing that, the thing that I find interesting at the moment is this has been going on so long now that it is really starting to change habits so the virtual digital piece is here to stay As much as people talk about going back to normal, we're not going back to how it was, I don't think. Um, And so those opportunities for that human connection and community building are going to be really important. But the poll that I have live is um, asking people, because the the messaging for this co-working space had been positioned around the idea of work from home burnout. Mm
0: -hmm. And people
1: saying, actually, I'm sick of working from home now. I'm here all the time, I never switch off, I've got the kids here, I've got my husband here, I've got the pets here, I've got my grandparents here, I don't really quite know when work starts and when work finishes, I feel very privileged working for myself because I do, I haven't taken care of myself in the past and so I prioritise that now and so same as this morning, so before we started our conversation, you're the first thing that I've probably actually done today. In terms of work, I did I checked a few emails this morning whilst I was getting uh, ready to go out with the dog, but I took time to have breakfast, didn't switch my phone on until about 10 o'clock, went out for a walk, enjoyed the beautiful countryside around me, mm. and then sat down with the intention of doing some work for a few hours, knowing that I'll take a break again later, maybe go and read a book in the garden or something. And just and I've built that into my life now. So my work and life are sitting very nicely by the side of each other. And that's how I want to keep it. And I realise some people listening to this might think, well, that's idealistic, isn't it, really? You work for yourself. You've made the choice to go and move back to the Lake District You're living with your parents. You don't have this overhead. You don't have that overhead. You've got the time and space to be able to create that life for yourself and i would completely agree with that but i would also challenge people and say you can do it too
0: 100 um well thank you for your honesty just then about the move and um maybe not looking after yourself in the past as much as you wish you had um there can definitely someone could for every statement everything we've said so far in this whole podcast there is definitely counteracting arguments and points but my thing that i would say with regard to your statement of like you know i started i checked a couple of emails went out, had breakfast did a walk for a dog i'm going to read a book later during this podcast now is that whoever is out there listening you too can create that you were brave steve you left london London was no longer working for you. And I've always felt this, always felt this. It is so easy to start things. Do you know what I mean? I'm starting a new gym membership, I'm starting a new diet, I'm starting a new job, I'm starting a new club. But I think it takes the the brave person to sit back, reflect upon a situation and leave. You know, I think leaving, when it's right, um, and let's be clear, I'm not saying abandoning. <laughs> That's a very different thing. But
1: to there leave, is, yeah.
0: to, to leave is brave. And so, what you did is, you took a situation you created it for yourself. I think this poll that you have is very important because there definitely is burnout. I, um, but people, you. you we need to take ownership of this situation because you're right. This um, is things have changed and they will change and they should change forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can create your own timetable if you're working from home. Um, it's you do it with your own business. I do it from my own business. As a 21 year old um, jobbing actor. Um, even when I would like tour around the world. I had a show, I was in a different country where I didn't know the language. Um, and I would just have a show at 8 p.m. So I'm in the theater, what, 6.30, something like this. We, mm-hmm. I had to create a schedule for myself. There's only mm-hmm. so much like going out. So like, you know, as in my early twenties, there's only so much going out um, after a show and then waking up in the afternoon, hitting the gym, maybe doing some shopping, then going to do your show again. That's very boring after a while, you know? And it does actually give burnout. So just scheduling things. So you did, you had breakfast. You told me you had your porridge and your garden with your dog Mm -hmm. and talking to your mum. I did yoga before this. Um, And if you haven't, because there are kids around and things like this, you know, my neighbors, um, I see the mother who's working from home, three young, um, gorgeous family. She just goes to the park opposite. Hmm. Does it every morning really, really early. And you can see the kids running around, but you can see her with her coffee, just chilling, having some me time in this safe central London park, um, and then going to do their day. Um, I think that burnout, um, I'm going to slightly move um, the conversation because I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about this actually. Um, I feel sadly, some employees, employers, I should say, and companies, have used this pandemic to their advantage with their employees. So I have a very dear friend who um, this company has done so many, uh, first of all, they were furloughed, and then sadly through his start date, he wasn't um, eligible for furlough. He literally just joined this company. Mm -hmm. And um, then all of a sudden his salary went to 80% and then it went to 60%, and then all of a sudden, there were four people in his role, and then they were cutting it down to two, and it was like, they had to audition. It was like, reminded me of like, when I was a kid auditioning for the show, it was very X Factor style, you know? It was like, you have to um, submit this, you have to do this test. And creating this environment of anxiety, no community, and I would, when I would speak with him, when we would Zoom in lockdown, You know, it wasn't my place then, because everything was so new. He was just, I'm just so thankful to have a job. And I was just thinking the way you're being treated is terrible, you're being held to ransom. So he's now on 60% of his salary. So he should be working three days a week. They're scheduling calls, meetings in London now, on those Thursday and Friday, where he's not paid, it's now expected. And then, to top this off, this company, which will remain anonymous, as will my dear friend, um, has just booked their biggest gig, the biggest client they've had ever. And my first thing would be like, okay, well, you need to move all those people back to 100%. Um, we need to have some thank yous for the amazing work you did to book this client. Mm-hmm. And we need to just think about how we work. Um, so what are your thoughts on the burnout and also the flip side of like how potentially I feel in that anecdote How a company has really kind of, oh, maybe it's inflammatory language, but abused this pandemic to their advantage?
1: A very good question. Um, I feel like a lot of the anxiety that's caused uh, in the workplace, particularly in the corporate environment, and from speaking from my own lived experience of the things that caused me to burn out and make that choice to to leave with no job to go to, no plan, it was at that point with me. Um, where I just lost all enthusiasm for what I was doing. Thankfully, two years later, I've refound it and, and moved it in different directions and I'm back to, back on, the, I wouldn't say back to normal because I don't think there is a, a normal version, rediscovering. Would be a bit Bravo. Better. Um, but I feel like with anxiety, a lot of it comes from people's impatience and emails and inboxes and things that have become acceptable to say to other people in text format or in an email format of, have you seen the email I sent or buy close of play or the, where we don't actually build a relationship with our colleagues. We just treat each other like, like the cogs that people often talk about in a corporate environment and expect things to happen like that. Um, and a lot of that has come from, I watched a really, if you haven't watched it yet, and um, for anybody listening as well, there's a fantastic documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. I
0: oh, don't know, I haven't um, I've heard about this though.
1: And it's a load of um, previous CEOs and leaders from all of these big social media giants, including, I um, think they've got Google, Facebook and Pinterest on there, actually showing how all of these different platforms that we're using every single day have are engineered to keep us on them and keep our attention there and have created this anxious society that is constantly on the the edge of their seat waiting for something to happen or waiting to see what the next thing is. And I think that's from what you're speaking about with anxiety, that's just, that's where I feel it comes from. And there's so and and it, it feeds off what's going on globally as well, or in people's personal lives, because there's so much uncertainty. People are people are fearful. Let's face it, people are, some people are fearful of leaving their house at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I went through that at the start of this, like I was at that point where I was like, well, I'd come back from an attempt to go and calm myself down by taking a walk around Brockwell Park in London and coming back more stressed than when I'd left because of everybody that I'd seen (laughs) or the trip that I'd had to the supermarket on the way back. And that was bleeding into um, my work as well. And I feel like when, even whether you're working from her or whether you're working in an office environment, that kind of just impatience is the root cause, I think, of, of things. Because there's, it, it reminds me of a conversation I actually had with um, the head of student recruitment um, a few years ago when I was back at EY, and we were both working late. I think it was about 9, 10 p.m. She oh was a goodness. new mother as well. So I was quite oh surprised Lord. that she was still there because Lord, most I hope of the, she is changed yeah i think actually hasn't she has, but the most of it was a rare occasion but um most of the the mothers that i used to work alongside i mean that's i work in hr so it's, it's quite a female dominated industry as one of the few men in the team um and she was still there and we both looked at each other at one point and she asked me what i was working on and i told her and i asked the same back and then she just looked at me and went is the world going to explode if we turn our laptops off right now? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm <laughs> thinking to myself, is this a trick? Is she in, is she testing me to see whether or not I actually just go, fuck it, <laughs> and turn my laptop off? Um, and I went, no. And she just went, okay, well, let's just both go home then. And we both powered That's down, true. saved what we were doing, powered down and went home. And it it was that example of leadership for herself but leadership Mm -hmm. as my leader in the team which then encouraged me to start going i'm working too hard i shouldn't be the last person i'm not the most senior person and i'm not saying the most senior person should be the last person in the office either but i'm not the most Mm -hmm. senior people person here there are people that have got work to do that i'm waiting on that have chosen to go home but i'm not seeing here getting angry at them i'm saying well the clock's tick in, you're on a contract that says nine to five I was always very kind of I don't know I like to think of myself as the manager and one of the managers in the team who would look at and be like it's six o'clock why are you still here yeah right like, and be like you've got a life like I know we're waiting and yeah. stuff but I, I, for me to be able to effectively manage upwards and manage resource and be able to have conversations of we need more people in the team We need to redistribute the work. We need to think more smartly about how how this team runs. You need to be able to show that there's an impact and that that never comes to the surface if everybody's constantly covering their tracks by working longer.
0: Completely. You know, um, when you were sharing that anecdote with the new mother, the thing that popped into my head is very simple. The word no. I love... And have always loved the word no. Mm. I remember um, really ingesting that and making that part of my DNA as Paul in my late teens. No, no, I won't do that. Um, I feel all too often, yes is celebrated. And of course, You know, it's great to be open to things. And I love, um, you know, how people set, like, I'm going to have a week where I say yes to everything. And, you know, um, i was listening to a podcast where I think it was, um, was it Reese Witherspoon or Jennifer Garner, one of the two, says they have a day with their kids where it's a yes day. Everything is a yes. Not to silly things, but like if the kid's like, can I have ice cream for breakfast? Yes, you can. Um, can we do what I mean all these things and so there's definitely power in yes but I think there's so much more autonomous power in no and hearing that nine to five contract being mentioned um, I feel blessed that the beginning of my career is so structured rehearsals are so so structured as an artist you may be doing like a show to It doesn't matter if you're working in like a regional theater, um, which I did plenty of, maybe I'm performing to 500 people, or then a stadium, like we did a stadium tour to 5,000 people. I've got a set time. The show starts here. I have to be here an hour beforehand. Show ends here. I'm done. Rehearsals, we have this time to this time. So I've taken that into my whole career, my whole work life. Even when I was in teaching, I would say no all the time. Head teacher, we we, we um we're going to do this. Um, or we changed um, the staff meetings now? Um, instead of five to six, it's five thirty, six thirty because we've got this. No, that doesn't work for me. I've got yoga booked in at six thirty, so I'll hit, I'll be there five thirty to six, and I'm leaving then. And I remember when I first made that segue, there was like, a, "What? Who is this kid?" It's like, no, no, that's that's not going to work for me. Even the simplicity thing, and I think as entrepreneurs, as self-employed, um, well, actually, let let's extend that to all the people listening, to whatever role, whatever industry you're in. Um, if you don't know your worth, no one else will. If you don't show people how to treat you, they will treat you as they wish. Um, again, I won't mention the company, but I'm doing, taking lots of bookings for um, a power of breathing class and work session I do that runs so well via Zoom. That's a plug, by the way. <laughs> I'll put a link in the uh, show notes. <laughs> but, but it really does. It's, um, a lovely workshop and taking lots of bookings for World Mental Health Day. And um, I reached out to a company that I've had meetings with. And all of a sudden, then it just became a salary thing, a, ra- a rate thing, I should say. Um, and it just got silly. And I was literally just after the first two emails, I was like, i I don't have time for this. So um, my email is like, thank you so much for engaging. Thank you for your interest. Um, that doesn't meet my worth and also isn't fair on the other companies that are already paying that. And I have due diligence as a professional, as an honest human to honor that. So I was you, like, you know, I understand and I thank them for being candid about their um, fiscal situation. And I was like, you know, when things get back to you in 2021, I look forward to collaboration. Until then, look after yourself. And I look forward to seeing your postings about World Mental Health Day, hoping that they would do things. And I'm sure they will. They are a good company. But like even just things like that in a pandemic, I was like, no, 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 this doesn't work. This isn't right. This is not for me. And, you know, also, I really feel that gig wasn't for me that job wasn't for me. And there is someone who would bite their hand off, be like, oh yes, that's mine. And that was meant to be their gift. That was meant to be their gig, not mine. And I think this burnout, this work-life balance, just don't be afraid to say no. And I know there are probably potentially maybe some people celebrating. I hope there are at that statement. There may be people eye rolling and tutting, but you know, I would just ask, all listeners to consider that don't be afraid to say no in any aspect of your life you know not saying like refuse and deny everything but if something doesn't sit well and we've all had that moment where we've been asked and to do something over and over and you just get that kind of internal gut reaction of no vocalize that do yourself that justice and then maybe if the answer is a solid non-negotiable from the person who's requesting this of you, then we're humans and we come to a compromise. We come to a balance. That's, that's how I really hope um, things in the work world, in, the whole, in life, will move forward from this. Uh, my brother, I'm so proud of my brother. Um, he's always worked so hard. Um, uh, and not being shady, but he's also very happy to tell you how hard he works. Um, I know he'll be listening to that. I love you so much. Um, But I've definitely seen him really slow down. At first, when this lockdown happened, he used to travel so much for work. He's a very successful business person. Um, And he all of a sudden went into panic mode and was working way more hours Um, And then all of a sudden reflected upon that and is just actioning and making a lovely life for himself, setting new boundaries. And I'm really, really proud of him. And that's that's with a newborn, with my gorgeous nephew, a little newborn. So there are in a high leadership directorial position. So you can do it. You definitely can. Wherever, whatever you're in, you can do that. Like you're just your well-being um is is so it's just paramount it's paramount
1: yeah no i completely agree with you there and you reminded me of a conversation i had last week that where i kind of raised my hand for interest to pitch for some work and then had the we're looking for this at a heavy discount or at mates rates or something like that. And I just, I was, I mean, you, you kind of look and you go, don't use a business owner sometimes, especially the, the early days, I think, of just going, well, I'll do this because it's some work and it's a testimonial I can get or it'll give me some experience. But then I'm kind of like, I've been doing this for 12 years. Like, I don't, I, mm-hmm. I don't do need the additional experience, but my experience is what I'm bringing to the table. So if that isn't enough for you and that price point is too high, then I'm going to, I just positioned it kind of along. Well, as, as a business owner that I I can't afford at the moment, as I hope you appreciate to be lowering my prices much lower than X price. Take it or leave it. Um, Yeah and we're not a fit
0: hey, i wish you wellness
1: but we are exactly. not exactly and, and and offered the kind of the the alternative kind of well every new client that i take on i do a free initial consultation so if you just want to have a conversation and get some ideas from up here then that's fine i give that for free to everybody and then that's, that's you amazing. take that if, the, if they get that value from that then that might encourage you to spend a bit more but some of that was specific to the work that i do with branding it, it does it requires a lot of thought, it requires a lot of time, and people don't necessarily appreciate that that's a long-term investment um, for your business and things. But it's thank you for sharing that, because I think it's, it is important for anybody that's listening that has their own business that so we don't start to compromise on things at a time oh. when we need to be able
0: to survive. Exactly. And, like, you know, and hats off for, like, giving that consultation for free. I don't work for free. I never have worked for free. I never will work for free. And well, that's a lie. I did work for free. And that's why I don't now. Um, when I was a jobbing actor, I signed with a new agent, a great new agent. And at that point, my whole CV had been musical, 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 opera, mm-hmm. musical, music, basically. And I was like, well, I've trained as an actor, you know, I, I've got those. I've got, I've got that. And I love that. So um, this new agent got me um, It was a two-month gig at the Landor Theatre. Have you heard of the Landor Theatre in Clapham? It's like a pub theatre.
1: Yeah, me and my friend Tom, that you know, um, used to live across the road from that.
0: Oh my goodness, that's so funny. What years were you there?
1: Um, Goodness me, it was about 2000, it was around the Olympics because we had an Olympics party in the house. So right. it was, and the and the, ju- and the jubilee for the queen and everything it was that yes. period that wonderful period of the world
0: <laughs> those days <Yeah>. um <laughs> and this agent was just so insistent that i took this gig there like it's a straight play it's gonna fly and no not judging the Landor theater but i was like wait i've done these credits why would i go and work for free um I did kind of like listen to the rationale of like, well, you know, it'll, it'll give like a straight acting credit, um, which I hope they take that term. Isn't that terrible? Straight acting. Like it, it's like an interesting thing of like, like different to a musical. Why can't we just call it a play? Yeah. Oh, it's just so stupid. Anyway, that's another, it's a whole other issue. Um, maybe that's my issue, whatever. Um, but doing it and... Just no one came. No castings happened, um, and it, it was just with. It wasn't. It was probably my least favorite professional career or decision. I remember from that moment going, no, nope. no, 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 no. Who works for free? No, my family worked for free. You know, my brother's business person. My other brother's a social worker. My mum's an accountant and then became a bursar. Dad still did his baking for retiring. My dad never baked bread for free. My mom never did someone's accounts for free. My younger brother didn't do social work. I was like, well, why are you going to expect me as an artist to do this? Because you know there's a pool of people you can uh, tap into. And I think that's the same as like startups. I, You know, like that. that's something I've just held. And I'm just, you know, um, yeah, I, again, it's that, N-O, no, um, let me show you how to treat me. Um, mm. What I'm going to, like the, the company that was offering a silly rate that's similar to the story to what you just had. Um, that was a, a moment of me knowing my worth and what I can do and also how this would so benefit your employees who are so stressed right now. This would be so beneficial to them. You've had all the testimonials, you've watched the videos, clearly you're engaged, clearly you're interested. And it was just a moment of like, well, if you wish to work with me, then let me show you how to treat, how you should treat me. And Mm -hmm. that's fine. You're not willing to treat me like this. 21, that's review. And if we work together, fabulous. If not, sell a V, That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's so fine. Yeah.
1: Fabulous. Right. Well, I'm, I'm mindful of time and boundaries as well, because I know that we were booked in for an hour and we're slightly over. So what I'm going to do is ask you the one question that I do um, ask every single guest along the way. And um, as a way to wrap up the episode, what would be your advice um, that you would give people, Paul? One With regard
0: to... With regard to careers. My advice would be, to thine own self be true. To thine own self be true. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, if you're starting somewhere and an acronym is being bandied around, um, mm. I remember in teacher training, um, this g was being like, bust around and I literally stopped in this big like I went to UCL Institute of Education in this massive yeah. big seminar room, hundreds of us there. Um GT and g and T. And I literally put my hand up. I was like, I'm sorry, in my world that's a gin and tonic and I presume you're not talking about this with <laughs> education. So what is a and T? They're like gifted. I mean, my
1: mind was going there and I know what the answer is, but <laughs> <laughs> and, it's only, and it's only midday. What does that say about
0: you live you. You do you. <laughs> um, it's what's that? It's 5 p.m. somewhere, Steve. It's yes, 5 p.m. Exactly. somewhere. Yes, exactly. um, but like, so to thine own self be true. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Know your own worth. Um, think. I oh, know it's so taboo, but to think outside the box. Really do. And don't be afraid to change. Yeah. Don't be afraid to change. How many, like, so many of us, do a degree with this title, and then end up doing something so different. Look at all the amazing actors who um, trained as scientists, now they're actors, or um, didn't even train at all these different things. Look at entrepreneurs, CEOs who just took a risk. And I think that to thine own self be true, and don't be afraid to take risks, know your value, Use that word, those two letters, N-O. If it doesn't sit with you, say no. Um, and just, yeah, and ha- have, have fun. It's work. Oh, my goodness. We, mm. we work like that's not our lives, you know? It's, and career is so fulfilling. Like, I'm a creative. I, what I do is also part of my mental health as well. Uh, I've done so much singing, so much composing, so much yoga. I started sewing um, this year. I've really enjoyed it. Like, that's been so good for me. But uh, it's creating and it's work. But at points, we have to switch that off and just stop. So, yeah. And to a synopsis, to thine own self be true. Be you. No one else can. Oscar Wilde plagiarism.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Thank you so much for your time, Paul. I'm sure the uh, listeners are going to get so much out of listening to this episode with you. I really appreciate it.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a lovely conversation. It's flown past. I wish you wellness.
1: Thank you. I look forward to seeing you in person when I uh, make my first venture back down to London.
0: Yes, it will be fun. It'll be fun. Excellent. Great. Thanks a lot, Paul. Okay. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
1: So that was another episode of the My Career Story podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to myself and Paul there today. Um, Please do uh, leave a review and subscribe if you're enjoying what you're listening to so that you can be the first to receive updates on new episodes being shared every Monday, 8am UK time. Thank you for joining me and we'll be back next week with another wonderful guest on the My Career Story podcast. Bye for now.